Hello, and welcome to this special Axiom Catalyst podcast. September, the month in which we're recording this podcast, is Gynecological Cancer Awareness Month. And this gives us a chance to reflect on the, the huge burden placed on women in the United States, in Europe, and around the globe by diseases such as ovarian, endometrial, and cervical cancer. And it's something that we as an oncology think tank with close ties to cancer patient organizations and charities, very, very passionate about. My name is Jan Simpson. I head up the Gyne Pillar Axiom. I'm joined by our seasoned expert, Carly. Hey, Carly. Hello. As well as new joiners on the Pillar, Flan and Harish. Hey to both of you. Hello. Hello. Great. And we want to speak, frankly, about some of those clinical and personal challenges faced by patients to help raise awareness and to hold the healthcare industry of which we are, of course, a part to a higher standard. That said, it makes the victories that we've seen across the guide space this year or so in terms of delivering newer and potential better treatment options. And there have been quite a few examples of those uh, over the last 12 months or so all the sweeter. So this podcast is designed to be a quick introductory discussion with this Axiom team around gyne cancers and their patient burden. The real meat, if you like, of the work that we've done in exploring this is in the infographics, which we've posted to the Axiom website, as well as our LinkedIn page, all of which we'll link as accompaniments to this podcast. So think of this as a nice companion piece that ties all of our thinking together. So to kick us off, Carly, you've been passionate not only about the areas in Gyne where we sadly still see really low survival rates, but the really concerning stats around disparities in care and outcomes across a variety of communities. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yes. Thank you, Dan. So while this year has been filled with very exciting innovation across ovarian, cervical, and endometrial cancers, with several positive phase three readouts, as well as approvals even, as you noted, Dan, we are still soberingly seeing disparities in care and outcomes, um, particularly among patients that do typically fall within minority populations. For example, in ovarian cancer, we've seen studies shown that Black patients are less likely to receive standard of care treatment regimens than white women and are also more likely to be diagnosed with stage four cancer compared to white women. In endometrial cancer, we see that Black women are around twice as likely to die from the disease compared to white women, and this gap is concerningly thought to be widening. In cervical cancer, around 90% of all new cases and deaths from the disease occurred in middle to low income countries, likely due to unequal access with screening measures. And while these statistics are sobering and frankly concerning in their own right, we also really must remember that behind these numbers are real people and real communities. So throughout the following conversations on all this exciting progress and innovation that we are seeing within the the gyne oncology space, we must keep in mind that these sobering demographic disparities do still persist. Thanks, Carly. Uh, really sobering words there. Now, if we think about ovarian specifically, Harish, you've been passionate about disease biomarkers and how they relate to that unmet need. What was the key takeaway for you in that space particularly? Yeah, thanks for the question, Dan. So there are many exciting updates in the world of ovarian cancer biomarker research. 
especially in the world of platinum-resistant ovarian cancer, and we'll call this PROC for short. So a new biomarker called FR-alpha is a game-changer, and it's especially relevant for the patients who become resistant to platinum chemo in less than six months. So just recently, an FR-alpha-targeted ADC called MERV received accelerated approval in the U.S. for FR-alpha high PROC. This means that patients with standing intensity greater than 2 and those who are FR-alpha high expressing, those who have a greater expression than 75%, can death get therapy, which covers around 35% of all ovarian cancer patients. But there's more. Sutro is in the game also, and they're working on another FR-alpha ADC named Lubelta. Their target is in patients with FR-alpha expression over 25%, which accounts for a whopping 80% of all ovarian cancer cases. So imagine if these ADCs could reach more patients, and MERS promising data has set the stage for Luvelta's potential success. And there's more in the biomarker world as well. We're hoping to uncover even more in the PROC setting. One biomarker of interest is NAPI-2B. However, unfortunately, we just witnessed a setback. A pivotal trial evaluating a NAPI-2B ADC called OPRI didn't deliver the results we were hoping for. And moreover, all we're just seeing a lot of exciting biomarkers in this PROC space. And hopefully in the future, we will get more exciting biomarkers and more novel therapies in the space. Thanks, Harish. Yeah, unfortunate to see a couple of those failures. But at the same time, excellent, as you say, that we're seeing biomarkers really pushing innovation in the space and, and companies thinking about really specific unmet needs as opposed to a broader patient population in a variant. As we shift gears to endometrial, endometrial has seen a lot of innovation lately, but there's also still a lot of unmet need in the space. Isn't that right, Carly? Yes, that's right, Dan. So historically, for some context, the standard of care in frontline advanced or recurrent endometrial cancer has been chemo alone. But earlier this year, we saw really incredible efficacy data from two trials investigating an IO plus chemo approach in this frontline endometrial cancer setting, specifically GSK's trial called Ruby One and Merck's trial called Energy Guy 18. Now, these data were particularly practice changing in the subpopulation of endometrial cancer with DMMR or MSI high disease which represents about 30% of endometrial cancer. And this July, we actually saw GSK's dostarlumab plus chemo regimen studied in that RUBY trial get FDA approval in this DMMR subpopulation. However, for the remaining 70% of endometrial cancer, that is PMMR or MSS, though the IO plus chemo still showed signs of efficacy, Key opinion leaders have noted that this IO plus chemo data, it wasn't as much of a home run in this PMMR subgroup compared to the DMMR subgroup, really revealing an unmet need remaining in this PMMR space, again, comprising of around 70% of endometrial cancer. Now, we do have ongoing trials evaluating different IO approaches in this PMMR setting that may enhance the benefit of IO for these PMMR patients, such as trials exploring an IO plus chemo plus PARP inhibitor regimen and a trial exploring IO plus TKI combination. So while there is indeed an unmet need that remains, 
in this subpopulation of endometrial cancer, that is PMMR, we are excitingly seeing innovation in this area. Great. Thanks, Carly. Again, really nice to see the unmet need is being linked to innovation and, and something we're keen to continue seeing in the space. And we'll be talking to our, our clients and, and partner agencies about. So bringing us full circle, Glenn, we saw really big news this year with Merck's keynote A18, demonstrating the benefit of IO therapy in locally advanced cervical cancer, as well as CGen and GenMab's innovative 301 trial confirming the benefit of ADCs in the second line, uh, recurrent metastatic cervical cancer setting. Some might be thinking of cervical cancer, though, as a bit of a, a relatively low unmet space now. What would be your two cents on that? Yeah, so for some context, earlier this year, we saw fantastic final overall survival data from Keynote 826, which was a trial of Keytruda in first line recurrent or metastatic cervical cancer. And that led to its approval in 2021. Specifically, PDL1 positive patients were living a full year longer on IO plus chemo than the previous standard of care of chemo alone. And it should come as no surprise that IO has seen wide adoption into cervical cancer treatment since then. As you noted, Dan, we now have the highly anticipated Keynote A18 trial in locally advanced cervical cancer that was recently announced to be positive. However, with IO moving into earlier lines of therapies, we are now seeing a new growing unmet need surrounding patients that do progress after receiving IO. As physicians are often skeptical about retreating an IO-exposed patient with IO again. Excitingly, however, there are a handful of trials in the space looking at different modalities for those patients as they currently have few good non-IO options. Great. I appreciate we've moved to that discussion very quickly. And again, this podcast is very much designed to be a quick taster for our, our audience listening in. So one to close us off for the whole team then. So if we look across Gyne, what are we seeing our pharma and biotech colleagues as major priorities that they should be looking at? What would really make the difference for patients in this space? Yeah, that's a great question, Dan. So really synthesizing this across tumors, as we've discussed, we are seeing exciting validated mechanisms of action being introduced into earlier settings. For example, in ovarian cancer, we are seeing PARP inhibitor use be more widely, widely adopted in the frontline setting. And in cervical and endometrial, as Flan noted, we are seeing IOs show efficacy in earlier lines of therapy. However, especially given there's a lot of debate surrounding retreating a patient with the same mechanism of action after they progress on that mechanism of action. For our colleagues in pharma and biotech, this leaves a lot of opportunities to explore innovative new treatment modalities in that late line setting, namely the post-IO setting for endometrial cancer and cervical cancer, and this post-PARP inhibitor setting for ovarian cancer. Flan, would you like to say a few examples of some novel treatment strategies in endometrial and cervical? Sure. As Carly noted, there are a lot of exciting new modalities, one of which is tumor infiltrating lymphocyte therapy, which is currently being developed by iAdvance. In this personalized therapy, the patient's own TILs, which are immune cells that can kill cancer cells, are um, taken out, amplified, reinvigorated, and then re-administered to those patients. This therapy was granted a breakthrough designation by the FDA and we recently saw a BLA for this TIL therapy get accepted by the FDA in melanoma. So we're pretty excited about this innovative personalized therapy potentially coming to cervical cancer. 
In endometrial, we just saw the FDA grant a breakthrough designation for the treatment of HER2-positive metastatic solid tumors to the ADC and HER2. Based on progression-free survival and overall survival data from the Destiny Pan Tumor 2 trial, and we've seen particularly encouraging data from that trial in its endometrial cohort. Yes, thank you, Flan. Those are definitely two treatment modalities we are very excited to see emerging in those two disease settings. Harish, what about ovarian cancer? What are we seeing there? Yep. So in the platinum resistance setting, we see DreamLux studying their cancer vaccine, Alvivec, in a phase three trial called OnPrime, and Corcept Therapeutics investigating Relicorlant in a selective glucocorticoid receptor modulator in a phase three trial called Rosella. Both of these companies recently published encouraging phase two data for these assets, and we're hopeful that this will translate into phase three benefits over standard of care chemo in late line settings. Yes, I think we as an Axiom team, as well as key opinion leaders, are excited to see these trials read out in that platinum resistance setting, especially after we have unfortunately seen a few failures in this setting. So zooming out across tumor types, we certainly are seeing opportunities for increased innovation in late line settings. But just circling back to the top of this discussion, while we pursue these increased opportunities for innovation, we really can't forget about the demographic disparities that are persisting. And this is something that we urge our colleagues in pharma and biotech to consider, particularly when designing their clinical trials. In fact, we saw an extremely powerful presentation at SGO earlier this year by Dr. Oluloro on how eligibility criterion of clinical trials may actually hinder clinical trial participation among patients in minority racial groups. Specifically, Dr. Oluloro highlighted how Black women are presently underrepresented in clinical trials across different gyne tumors and discussed how certain exclusion criterion may fuel this. For example, clinical trials have been increasingly excluding patients with HIV, a disease that disproportionately is prevalent among Black women compared to white women, without offering any exceptions, for example, if a patient has an undetectable viral load or are on antiviral medications. Increasing awareness of how clinical trial eligibility criteria may disproportionately exclude certain racial or ethnic groups from clinical trial participation may be a small yet critical first step in addressing the demographic disparities that are persisting within gyne cancer. And it was certainly exciting to see this type of discussion be started at SGO earlier this year, and we are hoping our colleagues in pharma and biotech took note. Thank you, team. I know between the four of us, we could talk passionately about all of these topics all day. And in fact, we do this even when there isn't a record button there. Uh, but plenty of food for our, our colleagues in the, the wider industry. Uh, really forward to seeing you then. Our audience who are listening to this podcast, uh, reacting to the discussion and the infographics that we're providing alongside this for gynecological cancer awareness month. This is such an important conversation that we're having. So with that, thank you from all of us at Axiom for listening and please watch this space for more updates.